this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rhodes? Where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to another brand new and exciting episode of After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And tonight we are here to talk about movies and movies and more movies and other movies and then maybe even a couple things that aren't movies. Who knows? That's about it, yeah. <laughs> that's the show. That's the show. That's right, exactly. I mean, let's be fair. If you're not into movies, this probably is the wrong show for you. I mean, I don't want to ever drive any viewers away, <laughs> but like honestly, if you're not if you don't like movies, what are you what are you doing here? It's really what we talk about for ninety nine percent of the time, right? But if you don't like movies and you have come here. Uh, just maybe push yourself, you know, welcome. And, you know, yeah. maybe we can convince you. I doubt it. Right, right. Right, exactly. But if you exactly. are new to this, uh, the channel, if you're watching this live, if you're on Facebook or YouTube where this is currently broadcasting, if you leave comments on either, they will pop up so we can read them and we can comment on them, uh, respond to them if need be, put them up on the screen. But uh, that's just for people who want to uh, get involved in the conversation. Yeah, you can you can be in our show. It's like interactive and stuff. It's interactive and stuff, man. Um, so, uh, speaking of people who have never seen movies, who don't like movies, though, Phil, I did meet a guy recently who told me that he doesn't like movies and he doesn't watch movies, and he said he probably had only seen like five to ten movies in his whole life. Wow. This is an adult person, and I thought that was really interesting. And yeah, I mean, it's I mean, there's no, you don't have to watch movies and stuff, but it is when you do yes, meet you somebody do. who doesn't. It's it's weird. Yeah, but it's not right, weird. I mean, like, it's, it's their choice. It, absolutely, of course it is. I don't, I don't care if the guy watches movies or not. But like, I thought it was interesting in like that. Most people, there are people who are into movies, and there are people who are just kind of like casual movie watchers. But most people, I think, would say they number at least a couple hundred movies in their lifetime as an adult, if not more. Like to, to say you've yeah. only watched like five or ten movies in your lifetime. That's that's really like almost like going out of your way to avoid movies, you know. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could you could say that depending on what your your lifestyle is and your job is. If you if you're out in the wilderness all the time, that's true, maybe, right? But... I mean, I guess I should have mentioned he was a monk. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, anyway, I thought that was uh, interesting. Show. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of the show, Phil, why don't you tell people what we have in store for them tonight? Yes, well, we're going to be going after the ending of 1999's. Uh, heist movie, Entrapment, which stars Catherine Zeta-Jones and Sean Connery. And we'll be talking about our top five favorite Philip K. Dick movie adaptations and also giving our recommendations on anything else which has taken our fans over the past couple of weeks. Now, I don't, I, don't, I don't usually like to go crass, as you know. I mean, I'll, I'll go a little PG-13 with my humor, but as you were telling about Entrapment, it did dawn on me when you were saying, like, Who's in it? I, I kind of in my head was going like starring Catherine Zeta Jones, Sean Connery, and Catherine Zeta Jones's rear end. Because let's be honest, the the marketing <laughs> for that movie focused about fifty yeah. percent on the heist and about fifty percent on Catherine Zeta Jones's butt, like wiggling through all those laser beams. Like really, I think when you think of entrapment, you think of her in skin tight spandex, like slinking through, and a lot of focus 
on her rear end. And I'm not saying yeah, that's a bad thing at all. And I'm not trying to be like, you know, grass or anything. I just think like that's what you think of when you think of that movie, I think. I, I cannot I'm deny that. Yes, it was as you said, it was a big part <laughs> of the marketing. In this day yes. and age, it wouldn't probably wouldn't fly, but that was this was right. 1999. And it was mm -hmm. and many people have seen it. That were, that was the big thing that did yep. uh, you do remember or recall. They, and also they were Sean partying Connery. like it was 1999. Yeah. What? Also Sean Connery, though, because he was cool. But it's 1999. Yeah. Yeah. That still only feels like it was a few years back. That doesn't seem... <laughs> oh, my God, my quiz all the time, though. <laughs> 30 years ago was the 70s, right? I mean, I think we all know yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Simple yeah, as that. five years ago was the 2001. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Five years ago, 10 years ago was the 90s. 30 years ago was the 70s. That's how it works. Yeah. That's it. That's for it. people of a certain age. Yeah, and I'm only 32. Right. So. <laughs> I'm only 27, actually, so it's ironic oh. that works out well. Uh, <laughs> so let's uh, let's dive into Entrapment, shall we? It was a pretty popular movie back in the day. I think most people re remember it or recognize it or have seen it or are at least familiar with it. Um, what do you uh, what do you think about Entrapment, Phil? Uh, it's one of those ones, yeah, it's, as you say, most people probably... I've heard of it or seen bits of it, seen the trailer, as we just mentioned. It's one of those ones which I know I've seen it. Uh, I don't really recall too much about it, apart from the aforementioned things. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's on paper. It's got a great cast. Sean Connery, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Finn Grahams, Will Patton. And it's got all to do with, like, an art heist, which is always good. But for some reason, it just it's always one of those films which slips through my mind. There's always those films which... When you see like a, a picture of it or somebody mentions it, you go, "Oh yeah, I remember that. I I enjoyed it when I watched it." And then you turn right. away and it's gone. It's like it's like the silence in Doctor Who. If you're not looking at it, it's just gone. <laughs> That's what it is for me. It's been it's been years since I've seen sure. it. Yep, yep, yep. That sounds about right. And it was only when you mentioned and what you know what film should we do, and that right. was one well, of the ones I, I, I went, "Oh yeah, Entrapment." Yeah. And the reason it made my list is I just watched it like three days ago. Uh, just one of those things where I was flipping around and I was like looking for kind of a I'm always looking for, you know, because because I've realized recently I've seen all the action movies. Like I'm just I'm out of action <laughs> movies to watch. It's like my favorite genre. I'm always looking for ones I haven't seen. I've seen them all. And I was looking for some kind of like 90s action film or something like that. And Entrapment popped up and I was like, yes, I was just thinking about it the other day. Like, oh, I haven't seen that movie since it came out. And um, so I watched it and. It's exactly like you just described it. I mean, honestly, I just watched it three days ago. I've already forgotten half of it. It's a very forgettable movie. Like, it's one of those films that on paper should be really, really great and fun. Yeah. And it's yeah. not, and it's not, not, it's not bad. It's not unfun. It's just not great. Like, it's, I think the writing suffers a little bit. It's a little pedestrian in the writing and some of the contrivances of the script. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's fun enough. It's an easy watch. You know, it's, it's a good way to kill two hours. But there's just nothing special about it. You know, there just should have been some some more charisma to it. Like, I feel like they could have used, like, they had some humor, but they didn't really play into that. Like, it, it needed a better tone, I think. Like, it needed to have more of, like, a tone of something like a, you know, National Treasure or one of those movies that's, like, really just good, plays up the fun. Like, I think it wanted to take itself seriously, but it's a movie yeah. about, like, Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta-Jones as, as burglars, like, who get romantically entwined. Like, I don't know. It's just like it should have just been a fun movie, and it and it isn't as fun as it could have been. But it, I, I mean, it's enjoyable. Um, now to counter to contradict myself from what I just said a few minutes ago, what I was surprised about watching it was the aforementioned Catherine Zeta Jones's rear end was actually in the movie way less than I remembered there being, or less <laughs> at least less than I expected. 
based on the trailer and the marketing and how prominent it was in that, I thought it was going to be like a really like, you know, big scene. And it kind of goes by pretty quickly. And you're like, oh, boy, they played that up a lot. Like they had a lot of usage out of that scene in the film, in the trailer that wasn't really that big of a deal in the film. But it's it's a you know it's a perfectly decent way to kill a couple hours. Like I said, if you haven't seen it in a while, um, but it's not it's not it's, it's no masterpiece that's for sure. Well, it's the one we've picked to go after the ending, so we can yeah, only well, make it better. Right, that's exactly. What happens with these films, we make them like, better. That's what I like to think. Like I said, people at least remember it or have seen it, so I think it's fun to kind of go behind after the ending. Oh, we got some comments though before we do that. No, we no, don't. It spam is spam comments. Look Mega at that. Spam comments. Look that's at our that. first time getting spam comments. It's on, the beauty of being show. on YouTube now, Mike. We get spam. Oh, oh, oh. is that where it's coming from? Okay, yes. I guess good to know. All right. All Ooh. right. Well, that was almost exciting. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Goodbye. Anyway. Go, goodbye. goodbye. I'm not going to say that. Thank you, Russian hackers. Yes. We're, we're moving on. So <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's get into things then. Let's get into our after the endings. Um, who's going first tonight? I feel like it's my turn, maybe, but I'm not sure. I think it is as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, if we both think it's my turn, then it's definitely my turn. Um, but let me. I guess I'll go through the film first to refresh people's memory because probably most people I feel like are like you and me who are kind of like, yeah, I haven't seen it in 20 years. Uh, I saw it once, kind of liked it, but forgot most everything about it. So here's yeah. how it goes. So, uh, Entrapment from 1999, directed by John Emile, written by Ronald Bass, starring Sean Connery, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Bing Rames, and Will Patton. So a few weeks before the 2000 millennium, a thief steals a Rembrandt painting in a daring high-rise heist. Unbeknownst to that thief, they are being watched by someone else. We don't know who that person is either. The next day, we meet Virginia Gin Baker and her boss, Hector Cruz, who works for a huge insurance company. Um, Jin suspects Robert Mac McDougall, played by Sean Connery, a master thief who's the only person who could have pulled off the heist so flawlessly. She goes undercover as Mac's new partner, claiming to be a thief. We also meet Mac's gadget guy slash sometime assistant, uh, Aaron Thibodeau, that's Ving Rhames. Jin reveals to Mac that it was she who stole the Rembrandt, and he reveals that he actually stole it after she stole it, because she dropped it in the mail to hide it in plain sight, and he said, why steal the painting when I could just steal it from you in the, from the mail? So they, she tells him she needs her help with the heist. They pull off the theft of a $40 million mask from a museum, but Mac accuses Jin of working for the authorities after he overhears her talking to Cruz about trying to catch him in the act. She convinces him that she's really on his side, and they eventually, their romantic passion gets the better of them, and they become romantically involved, even though uh, it's against his rules. So they plan Jin's proposed heist in Kuala Lumpur um, at the... Twin, the biggest towers in the world, that big famous building that everyone knows. You'll know it if you see it. Yeah, um, yeah. you jump a car on, between them, couldn't you? It's what? You could jump a car between them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, 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 right. There you go from uh, Fast and Furious. Um, uh, it has to happen exactly at New Year's Eve on the eve of the millennium because it's like a computer heist. They got to steal $8 billion from this World Bank um, and they do it and then things go wrong, but then they try to escape and then they end up barely getting away with their lives but they're separated while doing so they meet up at the train station the next day and the authorities are there to catch Jin. mac reveals that he set her up because thibodeau was actually an fbi agent who caught him a couple years ago and they've been after her ever since he also tells her he returned the seven billion dollars spoiler they stole eight billion dollars uh before he slips what she needs to escape into her pocket so she escapes and after the fbi and everybody else has left the train station mac and Jin reunite and she tells him she needs him for another job 
And that's entrapment. That's where we leave off. Boom. That's it. Montage. Boom. I'd ask you how I did, but you don't remember the film, so you have no idea. I believe. That's, that sounds about right. Yeah. It's got, right. You mentioned Sean Connery, so yeah, I believe. Yeah, there you go. It's pretty accurate. All right. So time for my after the ending. Let me just tell you, I went a little ridiculous with this. I hope that's okay. That's Maybe okay. It's, it's a... Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of forgettable film, so you want to go totally ridiculous. And, uh, That's what I figured. Why not? I'm going to have fun with this one. I don't know. It, it starts off normal, and then it goes ridiculous halfway through. And once I got the idea, I couldn't let go of it. So make of this what you will, folks. Hope you'll enjoy it. So um, six months later, Jin and Mac are living the good life on Mac's private island. They've pulled off a number of smaller heists together to keep their skills sharp, and their romance is going strong. Sure, there's a 30-year age difference, but heck, Jin always had a crush on screen actor Michael Douglas anyway, and he's also 30 <laughs> years older than her, so it doesn't bother her at all. <laughs> now they're planning an even bigger job than the Kuala Lumpur caper, to steal the number one dime from one Scrooge McDuck, a fellow Scotsman and the world's <laughs> richest man who lives in an out-of-the-way town called Duckburg. He is worth yeah. untold trillions of dollars. And, but all of his luck is tied into the first dime he ever made, which he keeps in this impenetrable money bin at the top of a hill. It is guarded by the most outlandish and high-tech security devices ever created, all of them custom-made by a reclusive scientist named Dr. Gearloose. No one has ever successfully gotten away with stealing even a single penny from Scrooge McDuck, much less his most single-prized possession. Single most prized possession. After months of meticulous planning, they finally make their move, stealthily assaulting McDuck's money bin in the dead of night. They faced laser-equipped robot arms, fake doors, steel traps, mini assault helicopters, and even a trio of clever young Boy Scouts who just happened upon the heist completely by accident. <laughs> but ultimately, they come away victorious. Relaxing on their private island days later, Max says, uh, uh, Mac and Jin are reveling in the delight of their latest and greatest caper and uh, looking at their magical dime. And, and Mac says, you know, you know, he's going to try to get this back. Do you think we should quit while we're ahead? Get out of the racket. Jin looks at him for a minute, thinks about it, and then says, nah, what would be the fun in that? And that's the end. Very good. I feel like it's also <laughs> after the end of uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, in a way. I guess, yeah, there could be some correlation yeah. there as well. Yeah, live action. But, uh, uh, yeah, Yeah, right, right. That's what I thought of. I was like, in my head, I was sort of picturing it. I was like, how cool would it be? So I, I technically made Scrooge McDuck and, and Huey Dewey like into people. I, I, I reverse anthropomorphized them, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. But in my head, I was kind of like, what if then it turned into like like a hybrid and they were like, you know, going into this cartoon world to rip off actual Scrooge McDuck? That'd be pretty wild but i kind of dig it and i thought the idea of scrooge mcduck and sean connery facing off with their accents would be pretty awesome so that, that will be good i mean life is like a hurricane in duckburg so. <laughs> i've heard that that's what yeah. i've heard about duckburg the life is like wow. a hurricane there so yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it made sense you get race cars anyway yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> aeroplanes you know it's got a little bit of everything so the whole shebang wow right not very right. good i like that it's good thank you i get a little ridiculous but sometimes you gotta you gotta take it less seriously so all very right good. i am sure you will ground us in reality or maybe not who knows we can never tell with you either so uh let's <laughs> hear what you got for your after the ending okay well aaron and his fbi team have been one step behind Jin and mac for the past two years their crimes have become more audacious, and Aaron was sure more people had to be involved. 
Reports on the last theft involved a high-speed car chase, and that just didn't fit the MO of Jin and Mac. Aaron had questioned one of Mac's known associates, a guy called Danny Ocean, who was serving time, but he had no idea, <laughs> or maybe he was just too good at hiding what he did know. Aaron had also contacted an old friend, Catherine Banning, an insurance investigator. She'd heard nothing but said she'd uh, listen out for any news while she was in New York City investigating the theft of one of Monet's painting. Another year passes, and Aaron had failed a couple of... No, Aaron had foiled a couple of thefts, but had failed to capture Jin and Mac. But while travelling one day, he found a note that had been slipped into his pocket. He couldn't remember how it had been done. But it was coordinates that led him to an isolated castle in Scotland. While there, Aaron found a single grave, Robert McDougall, and a letter from Jin. Mac had died the year before. It was nothing to do with their exploits. He just passed away peacefully in his sleep. Jin had then spent uh, the time since uh, completing all the jobs that Mac had wanted to do to honour him. She got some of his friends involved as well. But now that they'd all been done, Jin said she'd now retire. Aaron simply nodded, raised the drink for Mac, and headed home. And that's my end. Right. Very nice. I like it. I like it. I like bringing Danny Ocean in. Uh, Catherine Banning, was that from Thomas Crown Affair? That's correct. Yes, that's the one. Oh, look yeah. at me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little impressed with myself. I used yes, some context clues on that one, but because I yeah. didn't remember the yeah. name, but it kind of seemed to fit because she was insurance, uh, just, you know. And, uh, exactly. Yeah, Rennie Russo, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. All right. I like it. Thank you very All much. Right. Yeah, nicely done. So there it was you only part way through. Then I was thinking, part way through, I was thinking, damn, should have turned it into like a Highlander sequel. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I thought for a second when you said that that about the finding the grave and stuff, and I was like, is he going Highlander on me? I'm not sure. Yeah, yet. it was only just then I went, oh no, that's what I should have done. But anyway, right, right, right. Well, that can be the next episode. We'll do uh, Entrapment <laughs> versus Highlander. It'll be the McDougals versus the McClouds, and then there can be only one, but it'll be lots of them. So, and Sean Connery versus Sean Connery because he was in both of them. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So it's Entrapment and in maybe, maybe McDougal from Entrapment is actually uh Ramirez from Highlander and he survived all this time and he's just living under different guys. And he figures yeah. since he had a Scottish accent anyway, he may as well use a Scottish name for his That would make more sense than Highlander too. <laughs> yeah, well, everything makes more sense than Highlander too. <laughs> so <laughs> all right, so there you go. Those are our after the endings for Entrapment. Uh one last thing I want to point out on Entrapment. Um much like my favorite Christmas action movie of all time, uh, First Blood, Entrapment is also a Christmas yeah. movie um, yeah. because there oh, are okay. many scenes in it because it takes place two weeks, starts two weeks before the millennium. So there are many scenes in the first half of the film where there are Christmas trees and Christmas decorations. So I'm adding Entrapment to the list of perfectly valid, not at all created by the Internet because people think it's you know fun and clever uh, Christmas movies. I'm adding Entrapment right alongside First Blood. There we go. There we go. We heard it here first. That's right. So now also every Christmas. Also a New Year's Eve film as well. It is also a New Year's Eve film, actually, yes. But, you know, you get more play with Christmas films. So you guys are yeah. looking for those Christmas action movies, those out-of-the-box thinking action movies. You know, it doesn't just have to be First Blood anymore because that one's tired and everyone, you know, every year you hear about First Blood is a Christmas movie. First Blood isn't a Christmas movie. Uh, you know, all that stuff. We all get tired of that. Now you could add Entrapment to the argument. So. Yeah. Good, I don't know of any other action movies that are Christmas movies or no, not I'm Christmas sure movies. Involved about Bruce Willis. It, so. Was it, uh, no, no, there first isn't eight? one. So first it's First eight? Blood. That's it. It's just oh, First okay. Blood. Uh, let's see. We got a comment coming through, which is good before this turns ugly. 
Uh, <laughs> this is a real comment uh, from our regular listener, Richard Brown. Says because of Connery, I was convinced we were going to get a line like, I wasn't always a thief before an appearance from a character I called wasn't always a thief. Oh. <laughs> I like that, Richard. That's good. Yeah, was, they definitely was, had... Go ahead. Yeah, I was starting with this, uh, the James Bond thing, but then I was thinking in The Rock, where watching The Rock, it's always... There's always that so, thing where he could be actually James Bond and things like yes. that. Yes, and funny enough, because we had talked about... Ironically, I don't know how we got on... It's like a weird when Because you mentioned originally some behind-the-scenes stuff for those of you guys who care about this stuff. You had originally put, uh, thrown out there doing the rock as an after the ending and i said i think we've done it already and you looked and you saw that we did way 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 back in episode 19 yeah now then i was looking for movies to do as suggestions and i just went scrolling through my list of things i watched recently and entrapment was the first one i listed and i didn't even make the connection that sean connery was in both of them at that moment then when i went to do my after the ending i thought about doing a little james bond time but i remembered that one of us back in episode 19 did that in our after the ending for the rock. I don't remember which one of us it was, but then I was like, yeah, Oh, I, can't I, can't, I don't want to plagiarize ourselves. I don't want to use, you know, the same story advice <laughs> twice. Well, it's funny. I'd watched uh, the Hunt for Red, Red October over the weekend as well. So yep. great movie. It's been, it's all been Sean Connery late, lately, mm -hmm. which is good. Welcome to after the ending, the all Sean Connery podcast, all Sean Connery all day long, 24 hours, seven days a week. It's all Sean Connery. Yes, smashing. <laughs> it has been a while, Phil, since we have experienced your um, your famously good impressions. I for, you know that's yeah, the thing. We, we used to bring we the video, show pretty regularly. Yeah, but since going to video though, I don't. I've not done them as often. No, I, I know. I we'll have to try and we'll have to try and bring them back. You know, because mm. that was definitely there. We go. <laughs> that, was, that was definitely a hallmark of the show. Was your world famous? Uh, impressions and there was many of them that were notable it's, for it's, how, yeah. how good they were. Yeah, long time listeners before we went on, you know, became fully video and and you know all these moving pictures and jiggery pokery. When we were just an audio podcast, there was lots of brilliant, uncanny uh, impressions of various movie stars and characters. Yes, some of them were just right. you would have thought that they did walk in, but that's the thing right. now. The magic, the magic is lost a bit because you can't see they're not physically here. When I do them now, I, you know, Whereas that's the past. it was often like I, I was confused because I'd be like, wait a minute. What where did Phil go? Like, how did how did Harrison Ford get in the room now? And then I was like, oh, that was you doing an impression. But I, I guess, yeah, I can see how video wise I wouldn't have the same magic. So, yeah. So I'd have to just go. So they go, oh, hello. Uh, you know, <laughs> well, Chris, Christopher Walken has just walked in. Right. Wow. <laughs> and I'd be like, whoa, Phil. Are you talking to Christopher Walken? Is he on camera, off camera right now? He's just gone. Yeah. So oh. oh, man. You should have tried to maybe tilt the camera so you could have seen him. But, you know, I yeah, guess he, you, no, he, he didn't thought, have a lot of time. He was just being a cup of tea. Just All right. A cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you're not this a long-time listener, that was like five minutes. Yeah. Right. Like, if, if you're not a long-time listener, that was just five minutes of nonsense. But, you know, whatever. That's kind of what we do. So. We don't, much like uh, Entrapment did, we don't, we do the opposite. We don't take this too seriously. So no. we don't mind talking about nonsense. The, the interesting thing, going back but, to Entrapment, though, the guy who directed it. Yeah. What, yes. What else did he direct? Uh, John Emile, who, who, who makes a lot of serious movies, I think, if I recall correctly. Am I wrong? Oh, I'm thinking of John Avnet. Never mind. Anyway, go ahead. What was your point? I'm just trying to, because the name isn't very familiar. I'm just trying to think what else. I recognize it. I think he did more stuff back then in the 80s and 90s. 
I will mention while you're looking that up, though, also um, one of the and I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to get too whatever political or whatever, but like one of the clearly worst cases of whitewashing that they didn't bother to fix a character name with because Will Patton, who's one of my favorite, favorite actors, he's a character actor. He was in The Postman and he was in the latest Purge movie. And he's got he's kind of like your typical like he's got like kind of this like Kevin Costnery sort of vaguely southern wow southwestern vibe total white dude yeah plays a character named hector cruz cruz spelled c-r-u-z not c-r-u-i-s-e hector cruz and i was like i don't think this character was originally intended to be played by a white man <laughs> just yes when you name yes, him hector yeah. cruz like they couldn't have like if you're gonna then cast will Patton, who i adore but is also as white as they come maybe you update his name Rather than be like, why is that character's name Hector Cruz? He doesn't look anything like a Hector Cruz. I just thought it was like, wow, Hollywood, come on. Like, yeah, first one of, of all, those things. What's the deal? Second I... of all, yeah, then, then I guess they named Ving Rames Aaron Thibodeau, which I don't think is a particularly Ving Rames looking name. It just doesn't fit him, but you know, whatever. Yeah. FBI, it's his, it's his cover name. But anyway, John Amiel, he also. I know, that's what I mean. It's like, I don't know. Thibodeau, I think of like as like you're like, cool jazz musician or like somebody in like the bayous of new orleans you know not like a like world traveling fbi agent played by ving rames i don't know just that's true but uh, john amiel he also directed the core 2003 oh, i like that movie that's a fun disaster film uh, and copycat 1995 mm. also uh, a pretty solid serial killer movie yeah. oh he directed he makes a lot of great. like he makes a lot of pretty good but not great movies it sounds like yeah, yeah, lots of. Uh, he directed some episodes, an episode of American Gods, a couple of episodes of The Walking Dead. That's All right, so he's, he's moved into TV. Sounds like mm. a lot of directors seem to be doing that these days. Yeah. Oh, and the All man right, who cool. needs to Yeah, cool. Interesting. Yeah, there we go. All right, so that is Entrapment. Let us move on to our next section of the show here, which is our top five list. Phil. Tell us. It was your idea, so you fill us in. Fill us in. I did. I did. Uh, But I think we should trademark that as like a thing, like a bit. Like fill us in and have like a graphic for it where I tell you like fill us in. And it's spelled P-H-I-L, us in. We could could, could be another T-shirt. Shirts and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, fill us in. I need like a musical drop for it too, like a stinger. Mic drop. Uh, we got another comment by Richard Brown. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm off my game with the comments tonight. Uh, the Core remake of a better TV movie called Deep Core. I didn't realize that. Are you, was it really a remake or was it you just saying like because they're kind of similar? Or was it like an actual I remake? Know. I don't know. But mm. I'm not, I've not seen uh, Deep Core. I bet Richard knows. It, you Really? You haven't seen it with Aaron Eckhart? I've not they, seen the Deep Core when he mentioned it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't either. I haven't seen Deep Core either. All right. Cool. Well, let us know, Richard, okay. if you know the actual... The actual history there. Um, all right, so Phil, dun-dun, fill us in. Uh, yes, we're going to be doing our top five favorite film adaptations of the works of Philip K. Dick, the sci-fi writer who wrote a tremendous amount of, of books, short stories, novellas, uh, many of which are absolutely brilliant. I've got a, I've got a very cool biography all about him up there which was an amazing read he had a very interesting life troubled man in places but uh, it's an interesting to dive into that but yeah we're going to be talking about the films five films which are our favorite adaptations of his works uh, as you mentioned mike when we're actually doing the list there aren't actually as many films as we first thought 
And I think the it thing feels was, like there's like a million of them. But there's I not. think there's been lots of TV adaptations as well, TV shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Man in the High Castle yeah, and, and a few and, other things as well. Right, 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 right. That is that is also Philip K. Dick. You're right. I was going to say, here's the thing. I know some people are probably like, I don't know who Philip K. Dick is. Why do I care about this top five list? But here's the thing. Even if you haven't read him, I haven't read any Philip K. Dick personally. Um, even if you haven't read him, I promise you, you know a lot of his movies. Because a lot of really famous movies, or at least a good handful of really famous movies, have come from ad being adaptations of Philip K. Dick works. So I promise you as we get into this list you're going to recognize a lot of these names um so that's why we did this you know he's been very influential in like hollywood sci-fi stuff and they his his uh, stories usually make for really cool and really good adaptations so um that's why we're doing this because you'll definitely know some of these movies so don't be turned off if you're like i don't know who that guy is and i'm i'm leaving trust me we'll get there you'll know it <laughs> that's very true they are the, he does uh, i've read quite a a few of his works and it's uh, they're very good uh, some of them yeah some of them are a bit trippy, but some of them are, are really good. And also, some of them, when you you know the films or the TV shows that are based on them, you're going, wow, they really took just such a tiny part of the actual original story. And right. I just went with it on that thing. But it's uh, it's worth checking out if you're looking for something new to read. Uh, he's, got, uh, he's got many, many stories which uh, are worth taking a look at. Yeah, I can't, I've always meant to read some of his stuff. I just never gotten around to it. So, a uh, little known fact, um, Entrapment is actually based on a Philip K. Dick story that was originally called uh, Shapely Rear End of a Thief. Um, and I think they just kind of <laughs> took the, the basic core concept and ran with it. So I'm oh, just kidding. And in no. case anybody thinks I was not kidding, I was just making that up. <laughs> People doing a search online. <laughs> I don't remember that Philip K. Dick right? story. Oh, my God, yeah, what's right? that? That sounds like a good I thought one. I, read everything. I, read that. I, wanna, I thought I read everything he wrote, but I missed that one. I want to read that one. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, I think it's your turn to kick off then since I did the I went first last time. Do you want to start with your number five? Yes, my number five is a film from 1995, uh, which is directed by because I've got to write it down Christian Dugier. Apologies, I got that wrong, but it is Screamers, uh, which okay. is based, based on a short story from 1953 called Second Variety. This one stars uh Robocop himself, uh, Peter Weller. And looking else, lots of, uh, not really any of the two biggish names, but lots of faces you remember. But it's all about a, a space outpost, and they're, they're using, uh, they're protected by these robots, and well, robots which end up uh, evolving and turning against the humans. And it's called Screamers because these robots uh, they make this screaming noise when they're about to attack. But it's quite tense. I remember it's all starts off in a small outpost. These where these people, these soldiers are trapped within this outpost and they're getting attacked by these screamers and, and getting uh, uh, wiped out one by one. Then it's sort of, as they evolve, they realize that they can, these screamers can change the shape and become human. So it's a bit like uh, Terminator as well in that respect. I remember being tense. I enjoyed the first half more than the last half. It sort of got a bit all over the place. But yeah, it's one of those low-budget ones from the 90s which you'd put on and go, wow, this is amazing. And then it was a little bit, Deeper than you thought in some places and a little bit cheesier in others. But I always remember enjoying it. And that's my number five. All right. Very good. I figured number five would be maybe where we differentiate a little bit. And and I was right. Um, I do like Screamers, though. It is, like you said, it's a good B movie um, yeah. for sure. It's definitely a B movie, but it's fun. And it's got some some neat stuff in it. But um, uh, it didn't make my list. Uh, and I'm guessing my number five probably didn't make your list. Uh, my number five is, uh, I, forget, I didn't look up the years of the movies this time. I forgot to. I was looking up the years of the stories. So <laughs> I forgot. But it's from the 90s. It is Imposter, um, starring oh, Gary yeah. Sinise. 
and Madeline Stowe and Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, it is based on a 1953 short story uh, of the same name. Um, and I actually mentioned this one uh, not long ago, um, a couple months back. We did it in our when we were doing one of our um, most five most recent movies we watched. I had watched this one a few months ago, and I remember it coming out in the '90s and being pretty disappointed with it. And then I watched it again a couple months ago, and I actually really liked it quite a bit this time. It was much better than I remembered it being. Um, and uh, I, 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 yeah, I think it's kind of gotten better with age as opposed to gotten worse with age. Um, uh, so I, I enjoyed that movie. It was, it's a good one. It's, it's, uh, it's not a masterpiece. But it's a fun kind of sci-fi action thriller. Um, when you hear some of the other Philip K. Dick movies, if you if you remember Imposter at all, which most people won't, you'll kind of go, "Oh yeah, I can see how that fits in with some of the other stuff he's written." Um, some 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 themes in some of our movies tonight. But it's a fun little sci-fi flick worth checking out. Uh, like I said, it's called Imposter with Gary Sinise. Good stuff. Yeah, and just checking that looks like it came out two thousand and one or oh, two thousand one. Okay, it's like a very nineties aesthetic to it. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely, definitely. But, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember when you mentioned it last time. I meant to rewatch that, but I've just not been mm -hmm. able to find it. So check it out. My number four is from two thousand and eleven. It's a romantic sci-fi thriller. It's the Adjustment Bureau, uh, which is based on the nineteen fifty-four short story Adjustment Team. This one stars uh, Matt Damon and Emily Blunt, uh, and. Matt Damon finds out that there's a group which are manipulating events and he thinks it's some kind of conspiracy, but then he finds out that they literally can manipulate everything and he falls in love with Emily Blunt and it's just a twisty, twit, turny. Uh, it is more romance than anything else, but there's some cool chase scenes. It's all to do, if you have these hats on, it's, uh, it means you can sort of see the doors and I remember some good chases going through the doors and the changing, using the Adjustment Bureau's abilities against them. Uh, it's... It wasn't. I remember enjoying it at the time. I've not rewatched it since, but uh, I always thought it was a really good adaptation. And uh, it just, yeah, the adjustment bureau. I think I've actually got it on Blu-ray, but I don't think I watched it since. But it's directed by George Nolfi as well. Uh, but that's from 2011. That's my number four. All right, good choice. My number four is a movie I'm expecting to see on your list, but probably higher up than I put it. It is a Minority Report starring Tom Cruise and directed by Steven Spielberg based on the 1956 short story, also of the same name, Minority Report. And of course, it is about Tom Cruise, uh, who plays the this guy who's in the precog division that can see crime before it happens. And then, of course, what happens when he gets accused of a crime that he hasn't committed yet? Well, he's got to go on the run um and of course lots of tom cruise steven spielberg things happen from there um it's a it's a good film it's uh, it was a big hit when it came out i like it um it's got a tonal thing it's a little on the dark side which is fine but like I, it's not a movie i rewatch over and over again uh it has been a few years now so I'll probably, now that we're talking about it, i'll probably be like oh i should watch that um i do like the movie quite a bit but i don't love it love it like i just really like it you know what I mean? It's kind of right at that cusp for me. Um, but uh, Minority Report, so like I said, right there, I told you guys, you'd know some of these movies. Minority Report was a big hit. Uh, so that is my number four. Okay, doc, that's, yes, uh, I'll may well get to that in a bit. <laughs> uh, okay, my number three, for some people this may be surprising, but for long-term listeners it won't be, but my number three is Blade Runner from uh, 1982. It's based on Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, the novel from 1968. Uh, I think it looks, it's a beautiful film, some amazing performances, but every time I watch it, I like it a little bit less. Because <laughs> uh, it just sort of, I think the opening's amazing. Everything, as I say, it all looks amazing, but it just sort of it sets up all these scenes. What, where's it going? Did, 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 oh, it's done. And it's over. And you're going, oh, 
yes, I feel like I always feel like there's a bit a film which had to be, which has about seven or eight different versions. You know, it had problems to begin with, didn't. But anyway, we talked about this a long time in the past, a few times. <laughs> I really enjoyed the Blade Runner video game from years ago. I'm really looking forward to the Blade Runner uh, role playing game, which is coming out, which is currently starting by Free League Publishing. But the film itself, just yeah. I mean, I always go start watching it with excitement, and then by the time I get to the end, I go, oh no. But anyway, that's my number three. We all know all right. Blade Runner. <laughs> we do. Um, I told you guys, you know these movies. What did I say? Uh, my number three is also Blade Runner. Uh, I put <laughs> it in the exact same spot as you. I, I And I think we've been in an agreement on Blade Runner for a long time, right? We both like the film. Neither of us loves the film. I have a lot of the same problems with it that you do. Um, it took me years to be able to watch the whole thing. I finally got through it, and I, I recognize it's a good movie. But I actually just watched it again a couple months ago, and I felt the same way as you. I like it a little bit less. Like it's got some great parts. There's some things I like about it, but it's a really like weird and dark kind of film. The thing I like, I was talking about. Like, so I think I've told the story before about how like the one movie my wife and I really disagree on is is Children of Men, right? Yeah, dark, yeah. you know, post apocalyptic, not post apocalyptic, dystopic future type of thing. And and I would never made her watch that movie or had her watch that movie because I know it's not her kind of movie. She watched it with her family when I wasn't around one night, and she hates it. And I and I was like. I said to her after I rewatched Blade Runner, I was like, you know, I think I found a movie that you would like even less than Children of Men. And she's like, what is that? I was like, it's Blade Runner. She's like, really? I said, yeah, because it's got all the same tonal issues and everything like that of Children of Men. But then it adds in all this really unpleasant, like weird imagery and body horror and, you know, just like characters that are talking strange and like it's always raining and all this and there's prostitutes and all this stuff. And I was just like, Man, I can't think of a movie you and my wife are like less than I think I think than Blade Runner. You know what I mean? Because it's just that yeah. kind of thing. Like, it's it's kind of sleazy, like in a way. You know, um, not like in a Texas Chance I'm asking kind of way, but it's just like it's not a film that you watch and then you feel good about yourself and like you have a spring in your step. Like, yeah, that was fun. I'm gonna go out and ride my bike now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So anyway, so I like Blade Runner, but again, number three. That's about that seems about right. Yeah, I I mean I enjoyed Blade Runner 2049. Maybe uh, yeah. I think with the two together, I think the world. I, I always find the world building brilliant. I um, said the effects yeah. are fantastic as well. But uh, I, yeah. I have I have a lot of opinions on Blade Runner twenty forty nine. We'll be here for like three hours if I get into that. So, I'm but it's a, it's a shame though. Uh, it's, it's okay. We did. Oh, hope and before I meant to have it up. Sorry, uh, we did go after the ending though. Blade Runner before Blade Runner twenty forty nine came out. Uh, right, but that was an episode. Episode where's it gone? <laughs> episode 20 the episode after the one we did the, the rocking yeah so oh, there you go that. yeah well, crazy. how do you like that that's interesting yeah we're hitting up okay, all, the so old, done... uh, all the old haunts tonight yeah so you've done your number three um, so both i have yes made one and number three okay my number two you've already mentioned it, is minority report 2002 i really i really like this again it's the, it's the visual thing i don't know what it is about philip k dick's work but it seems to really inspire uh film directors and designers to just you know do, do some incredible stuff. I remember Steven Spielberg, when it was being made, he got a load of uh, futurists, I think he called them, uh, yeah. other writers, other designers and things to get in to make these, you know, what could be feasible in the near future. And the, that's why you have the cars looking the way they do and all this kind of kind of stuff. I love all the whole setup. I think it looks great. Some great performances. The whole concept's really good. Although you start thinking about it too much, it falls apart a bit, but it's just... I, I like the action in it. I know you said it goes a bit, uh, a bit dark in places, 
but I quite like that as well. Uh, we also right. did we go after it. Minority Report. Yeah, we went after the ending of that back in episode 38. Oh, at least uh, we didn't go to episode 21. That would be like a weird coincidence. But, yeah, that yeah. would have been crazy. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's some, and some really tense scenes, the bit with the spider things and when he's getting his eyes changed and stuff, some tense stuff. Uh, yeah. That's my number two. All right, very I've good. Not read the, well, I've I... not read the book. It's based on those, so I can't tell you how close that is. I've read... What to do? Yeah, but that's... So I can right. Sorry. Yeah. It's a short story too, actually. So I'm imagining it's probably a lot different than um, than the movie. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, my number two has already appeared on your list, um, and it is the Adjustment Bureau, uh, which you mentioned just a few minutes ago with Matt Damon and Emily Blunt. I, I am probably I'm going to take a stab out there since I'm probably the biggest Adjustment Bureau fan in the world. Um, it's not like it's like my favorite movie of all time or anything like that. It's obviously it's my number two, right? But I really, really, really love Adjustment Bureau. I've watched it several times. Every time I watch it, it puts a big smile on my face. I really enjoy it. I love that it's a science fiction film that also has this really great romance at the core of it. I think the yeah, romance yeah. really works. I think the visuals work. Like you said, they, they do these things where they can run through doors and they transport them basically. So it's like they go in a door in like a subway and they come out in like Times Square, you know, and they're being chased like that. And I just... I, I feel like it's just a really underrated movie. Um, and and every time I watch it, I fall in love with it a little bit more. I just think it's one of those kind of like near perfect, you know, films that, that crosses genres. And it's just, to me, is just kind of like a little bit magical. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not going to hold it up as like the greatest film ever made or anything like that. But I have a real soft spot for it. And I, I think I probably sing its praises louder than just about anybody else out there. Um, so... That's my number two, Adjustment Bureau. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. It's a really, really good film. Um, I, I think most people would enjoy it. Cool. Yeah, we have some similarities. I'm glad you yeah. like it. Yeah, it's, I think I might get that down off the shelf and maybe get that watch this week. Okay, my number should, one. I, I have a feeling that we might have the I, same I number just, one. I was going to say, I think we probably are heading the same direction here. Yeah, but my number one is from 1990, and it is Total Recall based on the short story from 1966 called We Can Remember It For You Wholesale, which I remember reading years ago and enjoying. And I, there was some quite differences, but yeah, Total Recall, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Paul Verhoeven, uh, you know, get your ass to Mars and all that stuff. But uh, I love this film. I watched it recently when they re-released it on Blu-ray. It was all restored. A great restoration as well. It just everything was clearer and uh, still some dodgy green screen, but on the whole, it just looked it looks stunning. I always love the story. I love the thing going, is it real? Isn't it real? Some great action. Arnie acting quite well. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Ironside being cool. And just, yeah, so many good bits. Always a joy to watch. And that's my number one. Yes. Well, no big surprise, though, obviously. As you mentioned, uh, my number one is also Total Recall. Um, really just a movie I've always loved uh, from the first time I saw it back in 1990, which was only 10 years ago, as we discussed earlier, right? Um, yeah. So it's not even that old of a film. But I mean, yeah, at the time, the special <laughs> effects were like completely mind-blowing, right? They were, you know, when he's running through the x-ray scanner thing, like you look at it now, it's not that special. But back in 1990, that was What's like the, the coolest that, thing. That's, that's ever. still a pretty decent still one. Though, holds yeah. up. Oh, mm -hmm. it holds up well. I'm just saying it's not like we haven't seen stuff that's more impressive than that oh, now. Sorry. But yeah. at, the time, at the time, you... You were like, how did they do? That's amazing looking, you know. Um, it's just, it's just, it's like one of Arnold's best films. It is, you know, it's so much fun. Uh, it's a great, like you said, it's a great sci-fi story, and it's got, it's not, it could just just 
been a sci-fi action movie, but it has this whole trippy layer of the like, which memory is real, which Quaid is real, all that stuff, you know, and that, and that makes it really great. So um, I love me some Total Recall. And uh, yeah, that's my number one as well. So I had a feeling that was going to be both our number ones because kind of had to be, you know. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad um, of us picked We do have the, a comment. Uh, the, what? I was just going to say, I'm glad neither of us picked the Total Recall remake. Oh, was you know, good. okay. Okay, so interesting story, though, um, is that I rewatched that recently, uh, a couple months okay. back. Uh, and I actually, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it's not a patch on the original, you know what I mean? Like, you, you kind of have to look at it as a slightly different film. But I think, I think that the remake is one of those films, much like the Thing remake prequel from 2011, yeah. that... When you watch it a second time with some distance from the first time where all you're like is how could they make remake Total Recall? Um, and you just watch it as its own film without any expectations. It's actually quite enjoyable. Um, I okay. really liked okay. it the second time around. Um, so it did not not to make my list or anything, but I, I was surprised by how – because I, I remember being very lukewarm towards it when it first came out. But I think it holds up better on second viewing after you've had some time to get away from the idea of like, you can't remake Total Recall, you know, <laughs> um, just sort of watch it as like its own film type of thing. And it's pretty enjoyable. Okay. I might give it another so, try if it comes on somewhere. Yeah. It, you might be surprised. That's all I'm saying. You might yeah. not be, but you might be. Uh, we have another comment. It's a follow-up comment from Richard. Uh, Deep Core is not listed as a source for the core, but it is near the same as Infernal Affairs and The Departed or Insomnia and Insomnia. Now, The Departed is an actual remake of Infernal Affairs. And I don't care what anybody says. Infer Infernal Affairs is 10 times better than The Departed because The Departed is oh, super yeah. overrated. And Infernal Affairs is an amazing film that no one's seen because it's not in English. Um, so I'm a little touchy about that. Insomnia and Insomnia. I don't. I know Insomnia. I don't remember if it was officially remake or not, but thank you for mentioning that so and he says and so happy to hear your philip k dick lists thank you as well as finding out someone else here has watched imposter and screamers of course we have um at least i've seen imposter phil i think has not if i recall correctly i have seen i've seen so, it a long long time ago oh all right i thought i thought maybe you hadn't seen it at all okay all right yeah so no, phil, i realize both... i have seen it but I... yeah and then he says and i'll put the adjustment bureau on for a romantic night with the mrs movies she's she says not again i say it's in the book it's in the book i agree with you it is it is an excellent movie to watch with your spouse partner you know significant other whoever it may be um because it is it's a great romance without being like, like a sappy romance um but then it also has science fiction and action and cool special effects so it's a little something for everyone kind of like deadpool how deadpool was like a comedy superhero movie but also had a good romance at the core of it that's the adjustment bureau, even though they're nothing alike at all. But yeah, I'm just on a tangent here. So thanks, Richard. Thank you very much. All right. So that's our top five Philip K. Dick movie adaptations, as promised. A lot of movies you guys have heard of, right? And that you know and that you've seen. I told you guys. You guys gotta listen to me. Just trust in your uncle Mikey. That's not a that's not a thing. It sounds weird when I say it. It does sound very weird. <laughs> sounds like I'm trying to get you to take my free candy and inside my van or something like that. I don't want know. some candy? Oh, Predator. I forgot about that. What's that one from? Predator 2, I think. What is it? I'm sure it's Predator 2. Isn't it? When Predator the kid two? goes... Okay. Okay. Yeah, when he records the kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. All right. So, now, at the top of the show, I said we talk movies, 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 and nothing but movies, but now we might talk about something other than movies. Because it's... 
time for ATE recommends or after the ending recommends, wherein Phil and I talk about things that we're digging on right now. Could be movies, but could also be things like books or games or toys or comics or food or music or who knows what. It's been a little bit of everything. Um, so we got some recommendations for you guys. We do indeed. Who's going first? You, you want me to go? You want to go? Uh, uh, you did, did, did. Yeah, it's your turn. You go first. All right. But I got to switch up the on-screen thing real quick. So let me do that. Uh, now I can't. Oh, because I moved my screen over. Hang on. Hang on. Everybody hold tight. I'm just going to turn it off for now. Because people know. We don't need to explain it in the ticker what we're talking about. We're talking about recommendations. Here we go. All right. I'm going to go big view so people can see the things we're showing them. Uh, my first of two recommendations tonight is Blockbuster the Party Game. Oh, yeah. This nice. is an amazing, yes, it is an amazing movie-themed party game. But here's the best thing about it. First of all, it's super fun because I've played it. Um, I got it as a birthday present. I love it. It's awesome. Thanks, Mom. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. it Because of the gameplay mechanics, it is not... Um, one of those like a movie trivia game where like if you you know like people don't want to play movie trivia games against me because they they know they're usually going to lose right unless i'm playing with people who are also big movie buffs most of my friends aren't as big a movie buff as i am so people don't want to play nobody will play comic book trivia games with me right this game <laughs> it's not just about how much you know about movies it helps to know some about movies too but my team it's a team game my team played another team and we almost lost our first game because again okay. it, can, it can come down to timing creativity and things like that so here's how it works and here's what's even better about it too there's two kind of halves to the game so there's two kind of gameplay mechanics which is really cool so the first thing you do is you get like a movie card and it's like uh movies that start with the letter w and then each person the designated person kind of like family feud you kind of go back and forth naming w movies with like you have like a five second timer until you run out of time or 15 seconds until you run out of them right and then ah. whoever is the first person to not get one of those they lose, you win. So then what you do is you take the cards and you pick the three best cards for your team and you give them the three hard cards, okay? So then what you get is you have a certain amount of time to do, you have you have three cards and each, they all fit into one space. You have three different categories. So each card, you have to put one card in each category. You got to figure out which one to try and get your partner to guess it. You get one word, which is where you literally have one word to describe the movie and they have to guess what it is, okay? So you got to be some strategy here in which card you put into which space, right? Because what movie yeah, can yeah. you describe with one word? You got to think about that. Yeah. Then there's quoted, where you have to give your partner a movie quote. Doesn't have to be a real quote from the movie. So like, it just has to be something that would be said in the movie. So if you were doing like King Kong as your movie, you could be like, "Whoa, look at that giant gorilla," or something like that, right? <laughs> if you know a real quote, you can use it, but you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. So that's good for the people who aren't like you know. And then the other one is to act it out, which is pretty common in these games. But you have to reenact the scene or something from the movie to help somebody guess what it is. And then and then you go back and forth and you get points for having to get right and all that stuff. We had a blast playing it. It's a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. And it's relatively cheap. I think you can get it for like 20, 25 bucks. So yeah, yeah. Blockbuster Party Game, super highly recommended. That's my first recommendation. That's good. I've, I've, I've quite I've fancied getting that game myself. But uh, I had thought because, you know, if you know films really well, it wouldn't be that good. But I understand now how... It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, it's called a party game for a reason. You need four people to play it because you have to do it in teams. So you got to have at least two people. Yeah, yeah. But you can have more than two on a team. That's what's fun about it, too, you know, because there's you can have three or four people on a team if you want. Um, but for the price, especially, 
if you can get together some friends, I highly recommend it because, again, you don't have to be movie experts. There's some, you know, you get some advantage if you know movies really well, but it's definitely people who who, who are more casual movie fans can, can play as well and have a lot of fun with it. So Cool. Yeah. Uh, my other recommendation this week is this beauty right here. It is the Wolverine Weapon X oversized oh, wow. hardcover. As you can see how big it is. Um, Look at it that. is nice. the yes, it's a hardcover graphic novel. It is the collection of the classic and seminal Weapon X storyline by Barry Windsor Smith. It was the first origin story we ever got for Wolverine. For those of you guys who don't know, who aren't longtime comic readers, for the first like 30 years Wolverine was around, nobody knew his origin. It was a complete mystery. Weapon X didn't tell his whole story, but it was kind of like how he got his like adamantium skeleton and all that stuff. And Barry Windsor Smith, who's a legend in the industry, just has this amazing artwork. And so they remastered the whole thing. It's on these giant pages in color with beautiful uh, Barry Windsor Smith artwork and beautiful new colors. And it's like kind of bloody and violent and science fiction-y. And there's all these like wires and metal things and claws and everything. It is, it is beautiful. It looks amazing in the giant paper. The colors are just look at that it's i mean it's it's a beautiful thing um and it's ginormous and it's the best i've ever seen it look and i've read this story uh, you know a half a dozen times over the years and this is it was like reading it for the first time all over again it's relatively affordable too um but yeah weapon x it's in hardcover it's remastered it's beautiful um and it's a great wolverine story it just looks amazing so that's my other recommendation this week available cool. wherever what's that one what's that called is it like has that got a special name for the edition? Like is um, that's a good question. It's not an omnibus because it's not a long enough. It's only about 180 pages total, maybe I think it's um. So it's, you can see it's not quite omnibus. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Is um, I want to say it had. I think it's like it, when I ordered it, it was something just like deluxe edition or something along those lines. It's well, well okay, you know, yeah, Weapon yeah. X, and it was like deluxe presentation or something like that. Um, but it, I believe it's the only hardcover they've done of it that's oversized so that should be helpful in finding it because it is like i would i don't know i don't know sizes that well but it's probably like 10 by you know 10 by 13 or something like that it's not just standard comic yeah. book size so oh, that's good that's the only one on this, this cover so. okay cool yeah very good i might have to get that it's definitely worth it for sure all right, so Phil, what do you have for us today? What uh, What is on your recommendation list? I have a book, a novel, on the game, which are both okay. film-related. Okay, cool. I like it. Okay. So my first one is uh, my brother got me these. He got me the full trilogy because he'd been listening on Audible. But it's, uh, it's I've just finished the first one. It is Thrawn, Star Wars Thrawn by Timothy Zahn, mm. which is uh, the reintroduction of Zahn into the new uh, or the current version of star wars uh it's i really enjoyed it it takes us into the mind of thrawn i always like the character if you've seen star wars rebels uh, or read the previous thrawn novels he did which are no longer canon you will know how good he is how cool he is uh if you've been watching the mandalorian you will also know that ahsoka mentioned grand admiral thrawn in the episode in season two as she turned up but i thought it was amazing you really get to see inside his mind, how he works. You get to see how he, well, you get to read how he sees as well. And he's got his senses are slightly different, uh, which I really enjoyed. You also feel like you're on, his, you're on his side a bit more than, whereas when you have seen him in the past, you're always going, oh no, he's going to get the rebels. Oh, but this time you're going, no, I want him to win. I want him to be successful. 
he's good. But I've got the other two, uh, which I am looking forward to check out, which are Thrawn Allegiance or something. I'll come up with the names. But one of them he teams up with Anakin, which I'm looking forward to as well. Oh, cool. That's that one. Thrawn That's came out in 2017. I, um, I haven't read those yet, um, but I always loved Thrawn because the original Heir to the Empire trilogy... Uh, that he was introduced in uh, is phenomenal, and he's such a great character, and I, I loved him, you know, back then. So I'm, I'm, I've been meaning to get around to these, I just, I just haven't. But that's now I may have to put them higher up on my list because now I'm like, oh, I got to read those. So very yeah, cool, very good. I mean, I, I wanted to read them, and it's just because my brother gifted them to me. That's I thought, uh, you know, I was made up. But it's, it's actually, yeah, it's the second, yeah, the second thing is a game which it's a bit of a cheat because I haven't actually played it yet, but it's kind of like I want to show off, but I want you to know it's sure. out there. But it's, yeah. uh, I packed it on Kickstarter, and it arrived the other day. Oh, it's a heavy one. It's the thing, the uh, board game, my all-time favorite film. Yeah, I'm jealous. Uh, Beautiful. I don't know how I missed that uh, on Kickstarter. I feel like I didn't see it on Kickstarter. Look at the artwork no. on the back. Look at that. Look at that. Amazing. So I did. Uh, looking forward to playing it. There's also there's another game based on the original short story called who goes there second edition which i've also got and i've not played i'll show you again hold screen. it up again because i forgot to put yeah. you in the big view there we go is that that's and it comes with all uh little cardboard standees and things with cool art and a cardboard yeah. board but i sprung for the uh the neoprene mat i also got the the norwegian base expansion and also got the right. uh some miniatures so i can i'll have to paint them the human miniature sets. I've got a other couple of boxes, not got them all here, but there's the human miniatures. Oh, uh, cool, cool. Which you yeah. can see the they actually look like them, which is amazing. Yeah, and that's there's awesome. also the uh the alien miniatures set, which uh oh cool. Look at them. And the well, when it focuses, there we go. Yeah, that's awesome. The detail is stunning. Uh, I'm gonna have to paint them at some yeah. point, but I want to make sure I do a good job. But I'm looking forward to playing that because uh, is I have to think very good. Well, that's it. You can only play it the once. <laughs> <laughs> Richard says, I hope the thing board game is fireproof. Which, of course, if you've seen the thing, you get why that's funny. And if you haven't seen the thing, then really you should just go see the thing because it's one of the greatest movies of all time. So, oh, yeah, nicely favorite, well, well played, Richard. Well played. But it's uh, it says it's ages 13 plus, uh, players one to eight, so you can play it solo, cool. which is interesting. Uh, you yeah, immerse, like yourself, immerse yourself in a highly cinematic atmosphere full of pathos. Manage the base wisely using your actions while you look for a way to escape. But first, you have to find out who among the players at the table is the thing hiding under a veil uh, of fake humanity. You must cooperate to survive, but who, who is really on your side? That sounds so pretty awesome. Well, you definitely have to let me know what you think. Let everybody know what you think once you play it, because I... Um... Somehow I missed it on Kickstarter. How long ago did you pledge? I imagine with games, it's a pretty long turnaround time, right? I think it was it was either tw late late twenty nineteen or early twenty twenty. Yeah, might have been when I was on game hiatus, but um, uh, I'll probably be picking that up if you if you report in that it's got good uh, it's got good gameplay. So let me know once. Well, you I hopefully it. get to play it soon. But I'm also waiting for a board game. Uh, they live, which is a uh, oh really? How did I miss that? Yeah, that was yeah, even tell me about further. Things, Phil. Oh, all right, there's also there's meant to be one coming out in. Uh, it's not on Kickstarter yet, but they keep saying it's going to be on based on Escape from New York, which will be interesting. Oh, cool! Next, you're going to be like, "Yeah, I'm just waiting. I I pledged. I'm just waiting for my Adjustment Bureau game to come in." And uh, oh, you, you mean, know, you know about that, that, right, Mike? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Curse you! I I need yeah. that game. 
Yeah, yeah this new Casablanca <laughs> uh, board game. Yeah, well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's cool. Definitely very, very good. I'm excited about those. I definitely have to check those out. So awesome. All right. Well, there you go. Those are our recommendations. Hopefully, they'll give you something good to look forward to. We got a couple of games there, a book, a comic, a little bit of everything tonight. Um, so that then you know what time it is though when we finish our recommendations that means it is about time for us to finish up so we're gonna leave you guys for now but we'll be back as always because you can't kill us we're kind of like the thing in that way please don't try to kill us with fire i appreciate that uh neither one yeah because that will hurt it will hurt yeah it will yeah we're not really like the thing in that way we just you just can't get rid of us but hopefully in a good way so um (laughs) that is gonna wrap up our episode but thank you to everybody for watching and or listening thank you to uh richard for commenting always a pleasure um and uh yeah i guess that's gonna do it phil any any parting thoughts yeah i think that's everything for now but let us know what your favorite philip k dick uh movie adaptations are or tv adaptations because there's been many of them as well but uh, and if you haven't read any of the books that uh the films are based on where you get a chance to read them let us know what you think of the books compared to the movies it's always good to hear from you absolutely Awesome. Yeah. All right. And like, like and subscribe and leave reviews wherever you listen to this because it does help. Absolutely. All right. Now we got all the viewers coming in right at the last minute. Like we're wrapping up. Our numbers are going up. So I don't know what to tell Always them. the way. Always us. the way. Oh, now they're leaving again. So because they realize we're, we're almost done. So that's okay. Um, all <laughs> right. So uh, join us next time live if you want to get in on the action earlier. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening as always. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next time. After the ending.